Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 4-2 win over Nottingham Forest on the weekend. Of course, everyone's most likely hearing this on the Monday morning or at some point on your Monday or even Tuesday, perhaps, if you're a little delayed. So hopefully everyone is having a fantastic week and it's very much Villa related because, of course, it's another big win for the Villa, like I said right there. But we don't have Simon, we don't have Seb, we don't have Tom or Dom or, of course, when Danny decides to be that rare star in the stratosphere and... uh, you know what, just jump on and bask in his glory. Of course, it's not him. We do have Mr. Neil Dunworth with with us, of course, of the For the Love of Paul McGraw podcast at Love McGraw Pod on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. So, Neil, I'll pass it to you. How's it going for you, my friend? Going really good. I'm going really good, Colin. I'll tell you what, it's um, like this season has just been absolutely so good. And even when we've had our lows, our highs have come shortly afterwards. And I think this game at the weekend was one that Villa needed coming on the back of the Fulham game to really prove to themselves that they were out of their funk, so to say. Um, you know, the, the that happened at the start of this this calendar year, but uh, a really really great performance in that first half, and some really nice signs of of gelling, and uh, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a moment. But um, you know, Mister is is a genius. There's no two ways about it, and he's he's manages to get a tune out of these players as you know so much more than he doesn't, if that makes sense. And uh, I'm just I'm on top of the world, Cole. I really really am. Yeah, absolutely. It's back-to-back wins for the Villa as well. Of course, in this one, just to break it down for everybody, of course, Ollie Watkins did score in the fourth minute. And of course, Leon Bailey was the assist maker on that one. Two nutmegs in that one to just, I I mean, I think that goal doesn't give enough credit and we'll probably talk about it very shortly. But of course, Dougie Louise got on the score sheet twice, once in the 29th minute and again in the 39th minute. That makes nine goals in the Premier League all season and all nine have been at Villa Park. So nice little staff for everyone that was assisted by Jacob Ramsey. And of course himself, Mr. Leon Bailey getting on the score sheet in the 61st minute. And I should also mention, of course, John McGinn assisted Dougie Louise's third or second, sorry, <laughs> in the 39th minute. Too many numbers throwing that out and throwing my brain off. But nonetheless, there was a little bit of hesitancy, a little bit of fear going into the latter stages of the first half, early stage of the second. Of course, Force pulled two backs, but two back, sorry, but nonetheless. Villa did hold on and Leon Bailey did make the difference. So Neil, I'll throw this one your way. I mean, let's talk about Leon Bailey and of this parish of this podcast, Leon Bailey's definitely been a phenomena over his time at Villa. I think he's been slated quite a lot, been questioned quite a lot. He's been praised here and there, but I mean, this season, I mean, what have you made of it? And really when you look at it as a whole, do you think he's just kind of, what's the best phrase for it? Just kind of, hitting the the surface just grazing it is his abilities just kind of able to skyrocket from here what do you make of it 
Yeah, I, I, I absolutely think so. You know, I think that Leon Bailey has been uh, a colossus for us this season. You know, uh, what is it? Is it 10 goals and 11 assists or something like that for us this season? Well, no, I, can't, I don't think it's it's that high. But he's he's had a phenomenal um, rate of... of uh, how will I put it, of of, uh, of production this season. And, and it's something that we didn't think that we would get from him, you know, and, and but we did. And it's it's a case whereby, uh, you know, try sticking with somebody and making sure that when somebody is, uh, is uh, down on their luck, so to say, that we can... Um, we can uh, plow through it, I suppose, really, you know, and, and he has done this season and he's just been really, really good. He started off the season really well. He's been really consistent and you just see him. He's playing with a smile on his face and he's getting he's getting at defenders now like he didn't do before. Um, he's not running in straight lines. He's cutting back. He's doing he's doing what he needs to do. Um, and and he's, he's beginning to raise an awful lot of eyebrows amongst the league. And certainly, you know, us Aston Villa fans are delighted to see it. And, you know, anybody who listens to our podcast and for the love of Pomegranate podcast, you'll know we were pretty critical, if not hypercritical, of him um, uh, at the at the start of of his tenure with Aston Villa. And it's okay to turn around and say that our opinions have changed, you know, because when the facts change, you should change your opinion with absolutely everything else. And we have, and and, and we're just delighted to see him. He's got his new contract as well, and uh, you know, onwards and upwards for Mister Bailey because he's been a superb, superb. Um, good news story, I think, from this season. So well done, Mr. Bailey, and and well done to Unai Emery for getting uh for getting a um a tune out of him as well. Well, the most interesting thing I was just looking at his stats, of course, across all competitions. As a, that's eleven goals, he has ten assists. Um, if anyone cares, he has five yellow cards too. Just throw that in there. Uh, of course, our very own Tom Nangel did put a, a nice little stat out. Of course, that is twenty-one goals and assists over thirty-five games, like I did mention. But it's only twenty-two starts, and I think that's the one kind of statistic I look at the most, considering the numbers he has put up. Neil, what do you think's changed this season? I mean, even I guess you could say the latter stages of last season. Do you think it's Unai Emery specific? Is it? game management is it is a mixture of both or is there more to it oh it's a great question i think uh, you know there was a time during the season uh when leon bailey was uh was coming off the bench and he was that finisher you know moose day diaby was starting bailey was coming off the bench and he was having great production and then all of a sudden roles were were reversed and reversed for good for good reason i think you know when when Bailey started outperforming, coming off the bench and being a real terrorizing threat, uh, obviously running against uh, tired defenses, but getting his mojo back, I think, was the biggest thing for him. And then he was the big question was, you know, prior to Christmas, was he able to um, was he able to sustain that? You know, coming starting a game as opposed to coming off the bench. And then we look at him starting a game. And he's done that. So I think a lot of it is that man management, that uh, situational management that Unai Emery has had with him. Um, the fact that he eased him into it, he realized he was a ch- he was like, there's some players you need to give a kick up the backside to, there's some players you need to put an arm around their shoulder. And that's the beauty of management. And it's certainly the beauty about people management as well. And he realized that uh, that that, um, that, that, that Leon Bailey needed that arm around the shoulder and showing him how good he could be potentially against uh, against weaker defenses or not weaker defenses, uh, tired more tired defend defenses, bringing him on so that he could build up his self confidence again and then unleashing him and we're seeing what we can see now and and that's that's an underrated piece and I think 
I think, uh, you know, you see an awful lot of, of, of managers um, through the years, I suppose, and a lot of them actually have probably been at Aston Villa as well, whereby it's a case of, I don't expect your feelings to come into it. I expect you to go and play and find a way to do it. And look, in the modern world, that doesn't really work anymore. Uh, spe- specifically when you're talking about the age demographics of players now, that doesn't work. You know, players need to be built up. You just look at Jordan Sancho as well at, at, at United. Um, I know there was an awful lot more than went on there, but he's gone back to Borussia Dortmund. He's had a, a he's had a, a more fruitful patch, should I say, um, at least when he first went back there. But, you know, the arm around the shoulder, players are talented. And it's how you can squeeze that talent out of them. And the arm around the shoulder approach is certainly that for me. Yeah, I, I think it definitely is a mixture. But it, I, I, again, I think he definitely is a confidence player. I mean, like most players nowadays, and like you actually said, most wingers as well. I mean, I, I think there definitely was one part of the season last term where we looked at Bertrand Traore coming back into the fold and we wondered, is this going to be somehow his time? He's going to come back into an outperform Leon Bailey. I did see a little kind of question around that in terms of when he scored against Leicester. Of course, that proved to be just a blip. And of course, it was an appreciated blip because it got Villa to where we are today, especially heading into this season and where we are, in my opinion. But to switch gears, I mean, let's look at Dougie Louise next because, I mean, two goals, nine in the league this season. Like I said before, the um, very quirky, interesting stat of all nine being scored at Villa Park. Neil, I mean, do you think it's just coincidental that it's all nine at Villa Park or do you think there's more to it? It's Part of me wonders if it's just the comforts of home. Is it a mental thing? Like, I'm not saying he, of course, doesn't put in a good away performances because that's simply not true. And he's been very unlucky. But nine goals just at home in the league. That's a a pretty outstanding stat considering where he has to play, especially in the the midfield at times. What a performance. And and another guy who's playing with a smile on his face as well. Um, You know, those... His performances from midfield, a lot of people thought they might drop off a small bit because he would have been tasked with more um, defensive duties when uh, Bubakar Kamara went out injured. But if anything, uh, himself and John McGinn have this really good tight team role that they play in. They're about one staying back and one going forward. And I think what's underrated, I suppose, about Douglas Luiz's freedom that we've seen in, in, in a couple of games since is the fact that John McGinn has all the work rate, all the effort and all the pace to be able to get back and, and, to, and to make up those yards. You know, he's the only player in the league that doesn't get tired. Um, he is one of the X-Men, and uh, that is, that's just factual, I think, at this stage. It's not even a joke. I think he's he's got some sort of, like, if I was drug testing players, John McGinn would be, would be up there for it because he just does not stop running, and thankfully he's ours. And hopefully I haven't alerted the authorities to anything uh, that might be might be untoward with John McGinn. But um, with the with the Douglas Luiz thing, you know, you can see him. He's got much more freedom to get into the box because he knows that if McGinn doesn't go, um, that he can go. And, and even if McGinn does go maybe slightly slightly further forward, he's got all that. Uh, he's got great vision. He's got great understanding of how the game is played. He's got great, uh, great reading of the game. John McGinn does from a defensive point of view, as is shown by sometimes, like there was times, I think, was it under Steve uh, Maybe it was under Steve Bruce, where Steve Bruce was talking about playing, and Dean Smith, I think, as well, about playing John McGinn left back when we had an injury crisis. Oh, yes. You know, <laughs> could just play him anywhere, and he will go in, and he will understand his role, and he will do it. And uh, I know we, I know it was all about with Douglas Luiz, but I think that that has a massive bearing on 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 Luis getting further forward, I suppose, in these last couple of games, as opposed to maybe being a bit deeper with Bubakar Kamara. But 
Yeah, Luis's goals were absolutely were absolutely fantastic. That cut back from Jacob Ramsey to the edge of the to the penalty spot, and Douglas Luis slaps it home. And then the header, which is something he isn't really known for, was a really good header. You know, he gets up and and re- actually, if I think I, I watched it back today, and if memory serves me right, there was like three Villa players in the line all marking each other there. It could have been any three of them, but it was Dougie that got up to it first and headed it into the back of the net. And you know, as you say, nine uh, nine goals at home, ten goals in in total. Um, this season, that's a great return for him, uh, a midfielder. And you know, we're talking about we were talking about Leon Bailey. I think who has ten or eleven goals this season in all competitions. And you've got um, Ollie Watkins, who's nineteen goals in all competitions. You know, it's it's exciting when you've got the goals spread around the team. It really is. And I think you know, there's more goals to come from more players. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think McGinn might have four this year as well. And 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 Jacob Ramsey is coming back into form. So I would be expecting Jacob Ramsey to get on the score sheet once or twice in, in the run in this season as well. So it's really exciting that we have that. We haven't had a free free flowing goal scoring midfielder in a long time. Um, but we seem to have one now in Douglas Luiz and uh, long may it continue. Well, that's just the thing, Neil, isn't it? I mean, you, you sit back and you look at it. And I mean, probably opposition fans and neutrals that maybe don't pay too close attention to Villa. And of course, I mean, I guess you could argue, why would they? Maybe this season, maybe there's more argument to it, I guess we could say from our point of view. But the reason, in my opinion, Villa are doing so well this season is because we have so many players that can fill so many different roles. And even if they're playing in the same position, tactically those little tweaks i mean you look at dougie louise long passes short passes i mean just his skills and his ability to move the ball around to be on the ball of course his shooting ability his scoring ability to this season you look at mcginn as well he has a lot of those same characteristics and i mean like i said before tactically you can move some of these players around i.e mcginn kind of coming back of course due to kamara moving up tillman's kind of moving throughout as well bailey's played on either side ramsey coming back into it he can be a little bit of a hatchet job on either side if needed as well I mean it's just one of those all-around team results of course against Forrest but I mean we've seen that so many times this season that maybe we're almost taking it for granted at times but I mean when have we really seen a team like this in terms of Villa be so complete I know a lot of people may say of course under Martin O'Neill but I would even argue maybe this side's potentially even better Oh, I, I definitely, this side is better than the Martin O'Neill side. I had this discussion with somebody last night, just last night as well. And the Martin O'Neill side was very functional, um, is the way I would describe it. Yes, when he came in and he had Luke Moore and he had uh, uh, Gabby Bonlahor, uh, you know, and he was, he was kind of giving them more freedom, you know, playing in that that kind of almost three up top system that he had. Uh, we were, that, that was the precursor to, to Martin O'Neill. But as we grew on, we became more functional. You know, there was times we played... We played uh, four center halves in our back line. There was times we played Nigel Rio Coker right back. And I suppose thinking about it, that was before its time, you know, having somebody who was that good on the ball going back into, uh, in, well, Nigel Rio Coker wasn't exact, wasn't known for his his brilliantness in the ball, but, you know, bringing midfielder into the defense and likewise bringing defender into midfield as well is now the whole couture kind of a thing. But that team was functional. That They, they relied an awful lot on Jay and, and, um, on uh, James Milner in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, they had a great tandem between himself and Stylian Petrov uh, there as well. And uh, obviously you had uh, John Crew and Gabriel Bonnehor up top. Um, but I think this team is better because this team is more... It's it, There's 
there's more live wires, there's more lightning rods, should I say, in this team, you know, whether it be Pau Torres that's coming at the back, whether it be, you know, before Pau Torres came in here, Tyrone Mings, Unai Emery had gotten something different out of Mings. He's definitely gotten something different out of Kanza, turned him into a, a top, top uh, defender in the Premier League. And, and while Martin O'Neill didn't exactly, um, it wasn't that he didn't make players better, like he had Richard Dunn and James Collins at the back uh, for, for a long period of time, um, you know, he did. He had a very simple way of playing, and it was functional. And that's the way. He, that's the way he wanted them to want us to play. And we and we did. And, and it was the individual brilliance at times of James Milner, Stuart Downing, Ashley Young. Um, you know, that really kind of sparked us up top. Under Unai Emery, I think it's it's the way that he coaches this team that creates the spark up top, and it allows those players, the McGinns, the Douglas Louises, the Leon Baileys, coming into it again, uh, and Ollie Watkins to thrive. So for me, this is this current last whatever 15 18 months that we've had Una Emery is some of the most fun football I've seen since dating back to the days of Gregory Brian Little Big Ron you know um that there were fun games of football that we, the, the, that happened back then and uh not to say that Martin O'Neill wasn't fun it really was but this one for me is yeah it's been been the best I've seen in, in quite a while absolutely and I mean for me as a international Villa fan and Canada who jumped on the train in a, in a very bad state under Paul Lambert. Don't ask me why I decided at that point in my life. I don't know if I was going in a downward slope or not. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, this is by far the best I, I could ever even imagine. It's it, it's weird to go into so many games with so much confidence. And even when you think there isn't confidence uh, within yourself for this Villa side, I mean, Unai Emery proves it again and again. Uh, that you have to believe in this Villa side. But from a positive, I guess, to a slight negative, of course, Villa did concede two goals, one coming from, of course, a corner shock, shock mm. on that one. Of course, Musa uh, Niakate scoring. Of course, I think it was, it came off, was it Enwioni? I can't pronounce his, his last name. Um, of course, I think he headed it across. Niakate just basically chested it in. And of course, right after Torres comes off, Chambers comes on. And I think a lot of people will look at that one and kneel and just throw the throw Chambers under the bus. And Morgan Gibbs-White, fair enough, he does score a very, very good goal. Villa concede two very, very quickly. So just to backtrack to the first goal, Neil, of course, the Niakate one, airily, what do you think the issue is, especially as of late when Villa are conceding these goals. I mean, I mean, in the past seasons, it's been a frustration, but as of late, it's, I, I know we can maybe say it's the center back pairings of the fifth and sixth choice, but where's it kind of lie with you? Um, If you look at when we concede from corners, a lot of them is, it's actually quite simple because a lot of people, well, I suppose to, to, without being on the field and obviously teams have to draw these things up. But um, what happened there was uh, Aaron E peeled off, went to the back post, like uh, very far to the back post, and it was just a deep cross. Uh, gets headed back across the goal, and Nikate then, as players are coming out uh, off the line, Nikate is onside, he just steals in and, and, and gets ahead to it. So um, I think a lot of it is probably to do with uh, where the centre-halves are set up for marking. It's not their fault that we're losing in the air, but what it is, is it's probably kind of body manipulation or player manipulation, moving players around within the box because, you know, everybody's terrified to put hands and people and stuff specifically, you know, okay, before the corner, there's hands all over everybody and everybody's grabbing each other. But once the corner is taken, then it becomes live play. And at that stage, you know, people are kind of terrified to do anything. Um, so when that ball goes to the back post, a lot of players are, are, are 
um, you know, following their detail that they're given for defending corners. In this instance, people I think came off the car, came off the posts, and Watkins was caught kind of flat-footed. He was the last person to come out. But even if he didn't come out, I think Nick Cata would still be an onside anyway. But it's just a. A lot of it is hope. It's if the guy at the back post gets the header across the box, you hope that you've got somebody steaming in and uh, and can get their head on it. But we do get caught out by it. And um, as I say, a lot of it is that teams will block and they will they will uh, move players around within that box once the corner is taken, so that they have that area for somebody to run through. And and a lot of it is speculative, but when it comes off, it's it's damn near impossible to stop. Yeah, and I, I think it maybe is more of a. A, a situational thing, I, I think maybe because Villa are conceding, I wouldn't say so many, but consistently at times, so many aerial goals that people jump on that. But again, I don't think it's a circumstance where, I mean, I can think, what was it, a couple seasons ago where you had John McGinn defending Dan Byrne from a corner. Um, it, it, it's yeah. not something that deep I think we really have to dive into. But I mean, to get to the second goal and even, I, I mean, it's all hypothetical. I mean, we all hope Pau Torres is fine and he's back for the next one. Maybe it was just a small precaution. Let's all hope and pray on that one. But I mean, in a hypothetical world, Neil, heading especially into Luton, do you feel still confident enough with Longley and Chambers as a center back pairing? Or would you expect Unai Emery to maybe make some kind of slight tweak even further to maybe protect them or someone else somehow fills in? What do you think about that? I have no reason to believe that Una Emery won't trust whoever he puts in at two centre halves. I don't think he's going to change his setup one iota. I think it's going to be a case of if I don't think you can play in there, I'll find somebody who, who I think can play in there. And I think Callum Chambers can play in there. It's like, there's been a lot made of the fact he was that they tried to sell him and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. But um, uh, he's come in, he's been a professional, and he put that thing out on Instagram saying these are the days he trains for. Um, and he was just delighted to get the win. And that's what putting 100% effort in is all about. So uh, that's what we've done. That's uh, and, and I don't expect us to, to, to change anything up from that point of view. Uh, there is uh, a deep, dark rumor or going around the place that Ezra Kanza may even be fit for, um, for Luton uh, to take some part in it. Um and then uh, subsequently, I suppose, really for the for the the Spurs game afterwards, uh, we will probably be looking to get him back there. But also, I don't think that the clamor. I haven't heard anything more on the Torres piece other than he had a bit of a niggle in the center for he'll be going for a scan tomorrow. Um, and that's the thing that uh, I I suppose if that comes back and it's like yeah, it's just a week or whatever, but that, then we just have to you know suck it up and 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 deal with it and you know we're we're down to fifth and sixth uh, choice um, center halves. But look, you just got to do it. You got to find a way to win. You look at, like we're recording this, I don't know, Cole, if you're going to put this out today, but I'll probably spoil the time on this one. But we're recording this on Sunday and uh, the League Cup final is just being on and Liverpool uh, went for, you know, from the 87th minute in real time uh, all the way through injury time with like some uh, people who, who like, weren't even wouldn't even be legal to 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 drive in the United States you know uh, a lot of them were 18 19 20 and uh, he found a way to win you know that's that's what you need to do you need to find a way to win i'm i'm loving that Una Emery is turning around and saying it's easy it could would be easy to look at injuries as excuses and um uh, it would be easy to look at injuries being excuses, I say, but we're not in the excuses game. We just have to go and find a way to win. And that's the mentality you have to have. The no excuses culture. Arguably, you might be able to look at Manchester United and say that there might be an excuses culture there because uh, because of injuries or there might be excuses culture even at Chelsea's recently because of the amount of players they brought in and the injuries that they had. 
But you just can't have excuses, you know, especially Unai Emery knows who he's dealing with. He he wants to deal with a smaller squad and he understands the repercussions that come from that. That if you have a raft of injuries, you've got to make it work somehow. And that's why he's in. That's why he's a manager uh, that, that understands the game of football. And that's why, you know, he's a professor of the game. Something will come up that he will try and fix it. And as I say, even if it's putting Douglas Louise back center half uh, for a game, if we are in game, if we if we had another injury, I think he's fully prepared to do that. No problem. Like we've seen Jurgen Klopp do that before. I've spoke about this in another podcast. Klopp played a lot of games. When I say a lot of games, about five games, I think it was with Jordan Henderson at center half. Like Jordan Henderson and Ozan Kabak were at center half for uh, for Liverpool at one stage, and they beat teams like Spurs three one. They beat team. They beat uh, West Ham three one. They beat uh, RB uh, Leipzig. I think it was Leipzig or Salzburg. I can't remember two nil in uh, in Europe. You can find a way to win, you know, over a shorter period of time. Now it's not ideal, but Callum Chambers is more than more than good enough to hold down the spot there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, absolutely. I, again, it's putting players in situations to succeed and expecting them to, I mean, realistically too, you have to sit back and look at it logically and think these players do train together even if the likes of chambers or whoever aren't featuring actively at all they are still on the training pitch they are still taking sessions and they are still in that mentality to play a certain way it's not like they're coming in and they've never played under unai emery they don't know the system or anything like that they are definitely more than prepared and again i I think that's just a fear thing there is no excuse i mean lots of teams this season uh, not to name them um of course probably a chunk of your traditional uh, big six have made complaints about injuries and i mean villa have probably been the same in terms of some people within the fan base and that that's fair to say but again if you're good enough if you train hard enough if you're tactically aware and have that tactile nose you can be more than successful enough to succeed and move forward with the squad you have because of that situation. So I look at it with no issues whatsoever, but to leave this game and look ahead, of course, to Villa in the conference league, because of course the round of 16 is ever so closely approaching. They'll play Ajax, of course, on the 7th and 14th of March with Spurs in between, not the greatest (laughs) three ties, I guess you could look at maybe historically with those names. But Neil, of course, uh, on this podcast, the preview, we just kind of hypothetically went through, I think it was on the Thursday and went on the Friday, who we would like to see. And ironically enough, a lot of us didn't mention Ajax and we did actually talk about them for like five minutes or so. So I don't know if we had a mystic ball, but again, it made it relevant and didn't make that podcast irrelevant. Thank goodness. But 
How do you feel heading into this one against Ajax? Because, I mean, this isn't the same Ajax team that almost went to the Champions League finals a few seasons ago. They are definitely struggle, struggling domestically. Um, and arguably, you could say this is an opportunity for Villa to capitalize on that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Ajax are probably having, a, having the worst season that they've had since war, since the since post-World War, I would say. Um, you know, such a massive, massive club. It's going to be a glamour fixture. And I'm absolutely delighted we drew Ajax. Paddy, my co-host on, on, uh, on our podcast, has had a great way of thinking about it. Because of the diminished amount of tickets, if we were to get to a final or a semi-final or a quarter-final, you know, because the higher up in the competition that you get, the more corporates get given out and so on. Um, and obviously, the, the um, you know, with there being a, a neutral venue for finals and stuff like that, Paddy's of the opinion that let's play all the big teams now because if we're going to need to beat them at some stage, so are we going to need to beat that big team at some stage? So let's play them now, and then when we get to the final, we're uh, we're praying for somebody like Maccabee Tel Aviv or someone like that where they want to have any away fans in the in the stadium, and Robbie Keane will be over will be over them. So it'll be a bit of an Irish thing for us, and uh, but that's that's a bit of a joke. But you know, uh, the way that we're we're thinking about it, the way Paddy thinks about it is, you know, teams with massive fan bases, let's get them out of the competition now, and let but let's beat them and not not being overconfident or anything like that but let's beat them now so that if we get to the final it'll be more tickets for Villa fans but um, I suppose realistically to answer the question question that you, you posed it's it's brilliant to have uh, Aston Villa versus Ajax it really is and I'm delighted that we are playing them we are humming at the moment we are uh, a form team we're a team that Europe has taken notice of um, and we are the big dogs in this competition we're, we're in this competition at the very start of it we were we were the finger was pointed us as as uh, at us as the team that would go all the way to win it so you know regardless of who dropped out of the uh, the Europa League Let's go and win it. Let's go and win this competition. I don't see any... Once again, we just spoke about no excuses. Our, our, the strength of opposition is no excuse. Let's just go and win it. You know, we're humming. We're on form. IX are up and down. And um, yes, they've had an upturn in form recently. Um, but, you know, I watched them against Bodo Glimt. Or I watched it back, should I say, against Bodo Glimt. And, and uh, you know, they, they they didn't perform their best. And if we can catch them like that and have one, game, one, one good game against them, like a 4-2 scoreline like, like we did against Forest, I don't see us uh, losing by more than two goals in any game against IX. So bring it on. Absolutely. And of course, to preface this, of course, Luton is before we play IX on March 7th. So not to skip too far ahead. But I mean, to get your opinions on this one, Neil, because you're, of course, not on every single week. How do you think Unai Emery is going to kind of manage that one with IX Spurs and then IX? Of course, we can all sit back and say, you go guns blazing maybe in the first one to hopefully finish it off and relax, or maybe you keep it tight and focus on the second one. But I mean, there is that Spurs fixture whacked in between, which has a lot riding on it because they do have a game on hand, um, of course, and then have to play as two. So where do you kind of sit in that three game stretch? Cause it's honestly, it's one of the most massive ones we could probably say all season. Um, I think the Spurs game will be heavily dictated by the Luton result. Um, let's say, okay, and this is once once again, it's just kind of a bit of gamification with it, but let's say we beat Luton and uh, we beat Ajax. Uh, like, we don't have a lot of players to roll in and out. Like, we don't have a lot of, a lot of um, you know, tinkering he can do with the team. Like, we don't even have John Durant to give Ali Watkins a break. And he's not put it this way against Spurs. Ollie Watkins, if he's fit, is starting against Spurs. He isn't. He, he ain't playing Nicholas Aniolo up top. Not a hope in <laughs> hell. Or Morgan Rogers won't be won't be up top against Spurs. No way, no how. Um, Ollie Watkins will be playing in that game. 
Um, so provided he 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 doesn't get injured and touch wood, touch all the wood that you possibly can, um, that Ali Watkins doesn't get injured. But um, just just a, a quick one there as well, Cole. I forgot to mention about Ajax. Ajax actually lost two 0 to um, what's going on? Azad Alkmaar today. Um, so uh, there is that too, you know, um, a team that we were, were familiar with playing, but obviously that bodes nothing um, uh, when we go to play them. But um, I think that. I I just don't I don't think he's going to tinker with it. I think we've we've all like the Anderton Donker's gone. Um, maybe that would have been someone that would have come in. Maybe Tim starts in Europe. Maybe Tim starts against Spurs. Maybe Tim starts against Luton. You know, I suppose that's kind of the way that we would think about it. It would be one or two changes here and there. Um, but I don't think that he's going to be too gung ho with like six day changes because we just don't have the bodies there. I don't think. Um, in we don't we. Um, and he wants to progress in both in both competitions. Like I've spoken as well about, as I said, the reason I was talking about the Luton game being the precursor to it was because, you know, getting points on the board, beat Luton, that's three points, obviously. There's no no hey, no surprises in that one. But United have City. United lose to City. We beat Luton. We're eight points ahead, or we're eleven points ahead of United. You know, no matter what Spurs do next week, we beat Luton. We're going to be five five points ahead of of, uh, of Spurs. Um, having the points in the bag is better than having the games in hand in, in Spurs from Spurs' point of view. And I know we've got a tricky run in, and we've got like we've got a lot of the top teams left to play. We still have Spurs to play. We've Man City to play. We've, um, you know, we've we've uh, we've quite, quite a lot of the big teams. Liverpool, Arsenal to play play again as well. You know, and I know that's what's going what what it will ultimately come down to. But if we can better the results in the short term, better United's results in the short term. As Paddy put it as well, and um, Paddy's a, the great philosopher on our podcast, he said, "Beating uh, us beating Fulham, us beating Forest, and then United losing to Forest. That's one of the games we lost to United that arguably we shouldn't have lost either of those two games. They were two of our poorest uh, returns, well, poorest results, not not so much performances, but poorest results, I think, of the season. But beating, uh, beating Forest at the weekend and United losing to Fulham, that's one of those games back. If we can get another one of those games back over the next 12 games and better or equal Man United's results um, in the main, it's up to them to catch us. That's that's the way you got to think about it. So um, from from the point of view of, of squad rotation call, uh, I just don't think he can afford to, nor do I think he has he has any intention of doing it. Well, I mean, you're exactly right. And not to be disrespectful to Luton, because I think it's actually going to be a much tougher game than maybe some people look at, because they have been playing actually very well, considering some recent results. And of course, they're fighting for their lives. And to be honest, I kind of hope they stay up, because the story is amazing. But regardless of that, I mean, for example, if they do beat Luton, I mean, with that momentum, argument's sake, you can easily just say, you know what, you roll into the next game with the same squad. You just keep that momentum going. And there's no reason really not to. I know people can say fatigue, but like you said so correctly, Neil, I mean, we really can't afford to look at it that way. You just have to keep that momentum going and see how far it really can take you. And then again, you can make those small tweaks, but in terms of really, unless Torres comes back instantly, Konza comes back quickly, um, et cetera, et cetera, then maybe you make those changes a little bit more. Maybe a few things could be a little bit more sparingly, depending how the first leg or second leg goes, whatever it may be. But I mean, hypothetically, all in all, it's all about momentum. They'll have it and we'll have to see what happens on that. But anyways, let's get over to the Twitter polls, of course. So you can tweet us at HoltCastPod or, of course, on these polls, you can, of course, vote at HoltCastPod on Twitter slash X, whatever the heck you want to call this app these days. So, of course, 
every Monday show, we do ask three questions over on there to get your opinions on. So the first one, and I'll get Neil's thoughts on these as well. The first one I asked, uh, will Villa finish in the top four? It's just a simple yes or no. Neil, how are you feeling about that one? And where would you vote? Yes. Yes, fair enough. Well, you are a very smart man because 77.6% of people were very confident in that. 22.4% were not. Going on to the second one, how confident are you that Aston Villa will be Ajax in the round of 16? Of course, that's across two legs. Obviously, the options were very confident, somewhere in the middle, or not confident at all. Neil, how would you vote on that one? I'm very confident Aston Villa will be Ajax. Yes, very. as I am as well. Of course, there's 49.1% of you brave few. I shouldn't say brave few because it was the majority, but anyways, everyone knows what I mean. And of course, a lot of people actually sat on the fence, 47.8% of that. And there's a few 3.1% that aren't feeling confident at all. There's always a bunch <laughs> that aren't confident about Villa. We could win for a thousand games in a row and there still would be that 3.1%. <laughs> and regardless of that, the more humorous out there, um, vote that we put out for the third one which is the best movie franchises uh, of course there's four options on this one and i know and just to preface this because people do comment saying why didn't i pick this movie franchise or this one i can only pick four so go easy on me people is whatever came to my brain so of course the first one was harry potter second being star wars third being lord of the rings and this one's an odd one i just it just came to my mind again fourth planet of the apes which one would you vote for, Neil? Oh, I'm going to have to go with Lord of the Rings because, Cole, um, I don't know whether people notice about me, but I've never watched a full Harry Potter film. I've never watched a full Star Wars film. I, I, I've, I've said that before and people have literally gasped and gone, get out. You know, so uh, it's, it, it's not because I don't like them. Don't get me wrong. Um, I've, I have tried to put time aside to watch the, the Star Wars in whatever order Star Wars fanatics have told me to watch them in. Um, you know, I just I literally just haven't had time. I'm not a huge movie person anymore. Uh, my attention span, I will. I have the attention span of a Gen X or Gen, whatever the newest ones are. I've got low attention span, put it that way, unless there's a ball moving around the screen. So um, I do apologize to people on that one. This movies aren't my strong point anymore. Uh, fair enough. To be honest, I, I mean, with with me being twenty nine, I started whenever <laughs> the the I can't remember is it the Phantom Menace or something in the early two thousands when they had the newer ones. I think I started there, mm -hmm. which actually would have been in the correct order, I guess. To be honest, I find with some older movies, I've seen all the Star Wars, but like sometimes I struggle with some of them and do lose focus. And I am part of that generation that loses focus pretty easily. Not as much as people, some people younger than me, but regardless, I'm on that track. But regardless of that, 44.1% said Star Wars. The next closest was Harry Potter at 20.7. I mean, I do love me Harry Potter. I would probably vote with that one. Uh, Lord of the Rings being, or sorry, Lord of the Rings being 31% was second. Harry Potter was third. And Planet of the Apes got 4.1. I That would be the, the last place one, but you never know. There are those few that do I didn't that. even know there was more than one Planet of the Apes. Oh, really? I yes, a lot of them are very old. Like the the newer ones are okay. good, but the older ones, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, again, it's when you're watching it with people of like I don't know in their fifties and sixties, they appreciate it more because they were younger when it came out and the effects were amazing. And when kids mm. look back at it now, they're just like, "What the heck is that?" But regardless of that, those are the polls for this week. So thank you very much to everyone for getting involved with that. But anyways, it's time for this. So, you know, hence hence me getting a yellow card for saying I think you've had juggling balls for Christmas. 
And it is time for Dean Smith's Juggling Six, everyone's favorite Villa-related football game, aside from watching, of course, the Villa win, as they have done so much this season. So Neil is a newbie to this game, because, of course, we've only been doing this for a few weeks, and Neil hasn't been on for a little while now. So, of course, just to break everyone into this one in terms of how it'll work, Six is the preface on this one. So it could be, for example, how many goals has Ollie Watkins scored in terms of who against? So name the six teams or how many teams has IE Dean Smith played for? It isn't actually six. It's only five, but everyone gets the gist there. So Neil, I'll give you two lives for this one because it is a little tricky. Maybe in terms of recency bias, maybe it's easier. Maybe I've given you too much credit, but Leon Bailey has scored eight goals in the Premier League this season. So can you name six of the eight teams he has scored against in the league this season? Forest, City, and once again, attention span is low. I actually can't. I can't go any further than Forest and City. Um, and I should be able to go further than Forest and City. Uh, let me think. Well, you do have two uh, lives, so you can throw out a couple if you really need to. Uh, it's, it's a guessing game from here. It really Absolutely. is a guessing game from here. Like it's, uh, I, I don't, I, 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 uh, I can give you a slight hint if that helps. Everton. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is one. That's correct. That is one, is it? Well, there's a guessing game. Um, yeah. Sheffield United. Correct. That's another guess. Um, that was going to be so the hint four. I was going to give you. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, see, there's my telekinesis working. Uh, my tele- no, my telepathic uh, abilities working, should I say? Um, the, the, the start of the season. Who do we play in around the start of the season? Did he score? Did he score in any losses? Um, blah 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 blah. Jesus, I'm really, I'm really even struggling to think of teams in the Premier League. Well, you're uh, doing well minute. to be fair, because you have two yeah. lives left, and you only need two more out of the four. So. Luton? Luton is a no. A no. Okay. And then my next, I'm just going to go with Burnley. Burnley is, I just lost my screen here for a second. <laughs> incorrect. He was on the incorrect. bench for that one. I believe so. Uh, unless there's a second one. <laughs> I'm scrolling no. down the screen. So, oh no, he did <laughs> score. Sorry. The second leg he did? he did. Correct. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. So that's five. I, that's five. I only need one. I only need one more, and I've got um, I've got. I still have a life left. So, uh, blah, blah, blah. Brighton. Brighton is. We scored incorrect. six. He surely got one. Ah. Oh. Um. West Ham. West Ham is four. Correct. Yes. So you did get it for the Brighton <laughs> one. He actually wasn't in the squad. Wasn't he? No, uh, I, yeah. So I, 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 I genuinely guess went blank at the, that was not performative at the start. I genuinely said, right. So city forest. And then went, I have no, it's guesses from here on out. I was thinking of games that we won games that we scored lots of goals in and uh, just took it from there. Well, I, I mean, you did very well because I, I think the only other ones you could have gotten was crystal palace or let's palace. see here, Bournemouth, the two all against Bournemouth. And the uh, 3-1 win against Crystal Palace back in September. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> you had a very nice. good memory for someone, to be honest. Who didn't who, have a very good memory. Yeah, who was panicking as soon as you basically got past uh, Forest. And I think, <laughs> I can't remember the other one was exactly. I think Arsenal was City. City. Yes. <laughs> so, fair play to you. And to be honest, um, you've done well, better than some of my actual co-hosts. So, fair 
play to you on that one. But anyways, we'll wrap things up there, guys. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. Of course, thank you very much to Mr. Neil Dunworth for joining me. Neil, if you want to go ahead now, feel free to plug anything you wish to do. Thanks very much, Colin. Thanks for, for having me on again. It's It's been a while and, and I always appreciate the time um, to talk to you as well because it's, uh, you know, I love the whole cast as well. But um, yeah, it's just you'll find us at For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast and YouTube and anywhere you get your your uh, your podcasts. And um, that's pretty much it. Brilliant. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Of course, it's always appreciated, especially when all my co-hosts sorry, have lives and apparently... I don't. So when I want to keep things on a nice tight ship and get them out scheduled um, wise, that uh, is very much appreciated. But of course, you can find me on Twitter slash X at Talk Astonville. You can tweet the team at HoltCastPod. Almost said 7,500 to Holt. Got to get that hiccup out of my mouth. But regardless of that, if you have anything content wise, anything you want read out the podcast, of course, you can email us HoltCast at gmail.com as well we should be back hopefully for a preview pre-luton but if not we'll be back post-luton to talk all about hopefully another villa win heading into a major european match against ix midweek but anyways like i said we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa we're going up we're going up Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.